Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to our latest PR and mergers and acquisitions podcast for June 2023. Um, today, as ever, we are chatting to Andrew Block. Uh, and if you don't know already, Andrew is co-founder and non-executive director at Frank PR and is lead consultant of PR social content and influencer at the new business consultancy firm AAR. He's also a partner at PCB Partners, where he advises on the buying and selling of marketing services agencies. Uh, and today, Andrew, um, if you're a regular listener to these uh, little reviews we do each month, uh, it's going to give us a bit of an overview of the uh, well, some of the, the biggest PR account wins we've seen over the last month or so, uh, and uh, news of, and a, a bit of a, an analysis of some of the, uh, the biggest M&A activity we've seen this month in June. Before we start, thanks so much to the PR podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Um, and you do now need to get a bit of a wriggle on if you want to get your entries in for the Creative Moment Awards. Uh, the final entry deadline is on Friday, the 30th of June. Andrew, welcome back. Hello, Ben. Now, it's been busy, busy, hasn't it? So we are, it's going to be like sort of top of the pops-esque. We're, give, give us your um, your rundown of, uh, of, of wins this uh, this month. Of course, yeah, lots going on this month, so no particular order. Um, Alfred had picked up the account for Westfield Shopping Centres to look after their social media, big pitch, six-way pitch. Um, Hill and Knowlton will remain as their main agency. Frank will remain as their experiential and activation agency. Um, but this is all about connecting people and communities through shared experiences. So what does that mean? They're doing they're doing the the, the, the sort of um, consumer bit. Is that is that in essence social that the social bit? So um, from what I understand, primarily TikTok activation. Um, so complementing the work that the other agencies are doing. Well, it's great news that a, a PR firm, whatever that means these days, is winning uh, um, a big social brief like that, isn't it? Who's next? Who's next? Epson, the printer company. Um, Academy have won the brief to promote their um, printers and they're ready to print subscription services, working with um, their European ambassador, Usain Bolt, the fastest man on the planet, or at least he was at some point. Now, so um, you, one thing you won't know about me, Andrew, is I used to work for the specialist photography print sector. Um, and Epsom's one of those companies. It's a bigger account than you might than you might think, isn't it? That one. It's a, a bit probably a bit more um, to it than some people may realise. Oh, it's a massive account. It was actually a client of mine about 15, 20 years ago, and loved working with them. You know, and printing makes a lot of money. You know what they say: ink is more expensive than champagne. So. Is that right? Well, I, I look Apparently forward to seeing so. what um, Mitch and Dan do with Usain Bolt. On yeah, the, no, I'm sure they do a good job. They're joined by Wildfire um, and also Milk and Honey, who look after the sustainability and purpose side of what they do. So nice trio of agencies there. Right. Um, um, and some tourist news. Yep, another tourist board win for Finn Partners. I feel like this is becoming a recurring theme on our podcast, but... They've just picked up Tuscany Tourist Board um, to go alongside Iceland, the Bahamas, Antigua, Dubai, amongst others. Um, that's the trade and consumer side of that. So nice win for them. Our roadshow, our roadshow really is sort of gathering some momentum, isn't it? We're going to be yeah. off for a couple of months together. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lovely time in Tuscany. <laughs> um, 
Next one is an interesting one. It's um, a biopharma company called Gilead Science, and they have appointed Cal as their public affairs creative agency, um, which I thought was really interesting. A because Cal are not a public affairs agency. Well, unless they unless they they've hired a few people. Well, maybe, yeah. but you know their their heartland is great creative consumer work. Yeah, um, and then using the word creative next to public affairs. I thought was interesting too. So the job that they're going to be doing is telling the story and the impact that Gilead has across their patient community, um, focusing on health inequality, looking at the work Gilead does in communities and its impact to sort of try and reduce health disparities. Um, and it shows, you know, even serious campaigns need to have a creative edge to them to to get cut through so yeah well it's, sure. and also the the media does influence doesn't it so if i mean one way to influence politicians is to um bring up the the, the campaign within um relevant media so perhaps yeah. that's what about yeah and no, i'm really interested to see what they're going to do there um next one next one is a win for jpr the um luxury travel hospitality lifestyle specialist they've just won hilton luxury brands again a good one for our road trip they've got the waldorf astoria comrade hotels they're opening 18 hotels over the next five years um they've been a client of jpr in america for the last few years but this is the first time that they've appointed uk representation so yeah nice win for them brilliant um and the next one is an interesting one as well. Unison, who are Britain's biggest trade union, have appointed Taylor Herring. And it's a campaign that's all about encouraging the public to think more about the role, the vital role that council workers play in local communities and to appreciate them more. And they've already kicked off their first campaign. It's called, I think it's called Unsigned Neighbourhood Heroes. And it's sort of depicts these people as comic book heroes and celebrates care workers and crossing. It's quite serious. It's a, you know, love, love, love Taylor Herring as we do. Um, it's quite a serious piece of work for them, isn't it? Uh, normally that they, they can be a bit more humor, humor led in their, their approach to some of their campaigns, but that's, um, that's, a, that's an interesting um, avenue that they've taken with Unison. Yeah. I think, look, serious message doesn't mean it has to be delivered in a serious way. And I'm sure right. You know, if anyone can do it with a bit of impact, then Taylor Herring can. Um, and news from our friends at Brazen. News from our friends at Brazen. They have won Castor, or Castor, I'm never quite sure how to pronounce it. It's the brand, the sportswear brand that Andy Murray backed. Um, it's a consumer and corporate brief. And they are bringing on a whole range of new ambassadors, people like Joe Joyce in boxing, um, Gavin Green, um, they're going to be looking at their kit deals. They've got deals with people like Red Bull and Bill Bow Football Club. So that's a really nice one for them. Yeah, it's good to see um, Brazen did well at the PR Moment Awards um, in Manchester this year. So it's good to see their, their momentum um, continuing. Um, I should probably give a shout out to Taylor Herring and Cow, who also did well at the awards this year. But um, yes, an inter- and, and Costa have um, hired a new agency as well. They have. Costa Coffee have appointed Hill and Knowlton, um, everything from sort of new products, menu launches, amplifying their creative platform. Um, so that's a nice one for them. It's sort of part of the WPP group of agencies 
that will now be solely looking after Costa. So good win for them. And it's not linked to Coca-Cola as far as we know, because Coca-Cola own Costa, don't we? I don't, we don't, it's, it's Costa on its own as far as... as I far think as so. Know. I think, yeah, it's owned, as you said, by Coke, but I think treated separate. I'm not sure who's doing Coke's PR at the moment, yeah. a few different agencies, I think. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, a, a, a number of them. Um, and Honest Burgers, what's happened there? Honest Burgers has appointed Stripe, um, national and regional press campaign, brand, new products, crisis, etc., um, creating new audiences. They had a bit of a tough run, Honest, during lockdown, as many restaurants did, but it yep. feels like they're back. They're up to, I think, 44 restaurants. So, And Stripe are very good at destination marketing and they do a lot of work for people like Merlin Entertainment. I'm sure they sort of apply some of the principles of that. Right. So, I haven't I've had an honest burger for a while, but I I may I may go back. Um, and the FA have got a new agency. Yes, they have appointed MSL. Um, so this is for a campaign which is called the Greater Game. It encourages twelve to sixteen year olds to improve their health and well being. It's a grassroots initiative, and it was um, co created with Nuffield Health. So quite an interesting partnership, and MSL have been tasked with promoting that. Sounds like a big one. Um, and talking of big ones, there's there's news from Edelman. News from Edelman. One of my favourite brands, Haribo, um, and favourite products to eat, I should say. Um, so Edelman have picked up their UK press office. Um, it's all about creating these moments of childlike happiness, releasing your inner child. It's the campaign that we see on TV constantly, or I do at least, but maybe that's just what I'm watching. Well, you, you watch that sugar intake, uh, Angie, you be careful. Um, and it's a bit more serious from Portland. Yes, so Portland have picked up um, Airlines for Europe, which is a consortium of airlines, Europe, Europe's leading airlines, really, EasyJet, BA, Air France, Lufthansa, people like that. Right. Um, it's a public affairs campaign, as you would expect, and it's all about shaping EU aviation policy and communicating the social benefits of flying and the sustainability plans of these airlines. So, okay. so in a sense, the the, the some of the bigger um, airlines in Europe have clubbed together as a bit of sort of loose trade body to try and lobby the, some governments on their behalf. Exactly that, and they've appointed Portland. Um, <laughs> exactly. Now, Mecca Bingo. I'm sure we've had that on before, but um, what have they been up to? Mecca Bingo are trying to future proof themselves and to modernise. A little bit, and they have appointed the Romans. Um, so good agency to do that, I think. Yeah, um, be quite yeah. interested to see what they come up with. Um, lots of fun, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah it's they the Mecca have been through a few agencies in the last you know, they're, they're one of the I think when you've got something that needs a highly creative response, often you do sort of change your agency every few years to keep it fresh. And you know, again, it's a client I've worked on in my career had lots of fun for them and i'm sure romans did a great job for them um yes yeah, so i want to ask you now what's the what's the perfect length of time for an agency in-house relationship but but i guess we haven't got time but there is how long's a piece of string is it is that your answer not necessarily i mean i think it's all about creating partnerships and not a sort of agency supplier relationship and personally you know if you keep on your toes you, you know you don't need to refresh you might need to change team members or adapt the way you approach things but you get the best out of people when you know them and you trust them. I, I think swapping agencies too often is a bit counterintuitive and it's a massive suck on resource. So yeah. 
it's a lot of work avoid it, work on the relationship and build a partnership as well i would yeah. say um and you some grand designs yeah last one on my list um it's a win for klaxon this is grand designs live which is part of the media 10 family who do i do home show and stuff like that klaxon is the live events arm that was set up by ready 10 so it's great to see them winning exactly the sort of brief that they were set up to go out and win so yeah yeah and it's um it's nice to see it's another one of the another one of those strategies sorry the same strategies a few agencies really 10 isn't it of, of keeping hold of their a way to keep hold of their most talented people is to to help them launch a, I don't know about a sub brand I'm not David probably would, would might kick me for calling it that but you know what I mean it's it's yeah. a nice strategy to have as an agency yeah I think it's a great way to keep your senior leadership on their toes and give them a little thing to take from an acorn to a giant oak hopefully so that's what well there's there's a few examples where those acorns have become bigger than the oak or the original oak if you absolutely drift um now just to, to a few overall trends um before we move on to m a um quickly if i may where are we with with the um pitch um new business market at the moment because there's been some whispers out there some people are a bit um worried um you're sort of at the the crucible of that with your your work with aar um are things as bad as people say no is the short answer but to, to expand a little bit it's a bit scrappy there's definitely a little bit of nervousness things are taking longer to sign off so you know i found the first few months of the year a bit slow i was talking to lots of people but wasn't getting anywhere and then for whatever reason, I can't really put my finger on what it is. Confidence has got to the level where the briefs are being issued, pitches are taking place. I mean, we can see that by everything that's going on. But it's definitely a little bit tougher than it was. But I have to say, I mean, I'm dealing with more briefs than I've probably ever dealt with in my short three-year history with AAR. It feels really? So, so, so you reckon you've got more briefs... You're busier now with the, with the number of briefs this year than you were last year, and and I guess the year before that was was getting towards COVID time. So maybe, but, but it's, yeah, but, I mean yeah. to put that into context slightly, my remit now covers more than just PR. So I'm looking after social and content and influencer, and social in particular is absolutely booming, and that can be handled by PR agencies. It can be handled by creative agencies. It can be handled by social specialists. Depends on the brief, but PR agencies are picking up big, big social briefs right. at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then other question just before we move on, the size of briefs, because that's the other thing I get is that clients want more for their money, stroke sometimes impossible amounts for their money that can't quite be done. Um, look, to be fair, that's why people hire AAR to handle a process. And it's my job to make sure that the scope of work is realistic for the budget so everything that goes through me i think an agency would be delighted to win it it's not always the case and when you haven't got an aar on your side fighting your battle you have to have the confidence to push back on what's realistic and what's not i don't think clients do it deliberately but it's a natural thing to want more for the same amount of money sometimes less and i think PR agencies sometimes, all agencies, can be a little bit weak in terms yeah, of pushing back because they're yeah. so hungry 
for the business, they say yes. And that's not the right thing to do because it only leads to issues further down the line. Yeah, well, it, it, that, there is a subservient, I don't know, not, not, I don't, this is not across the board, but there is a danger that sometimes PR can, uh, c- c- doesn't stand up for itself enough, does it? Yeah, we're people pleasers, but I look at the way that creative agencies behave and they have a lot more confidence, maybe because the stakes are higher, the investment in pitching is higher, but you almost have to pitch to them to pitch for a client. Um, and if they don't get the right response, the right time frames, they're not scared to say no. And I really admire that. Yeah. Um, we could learn a few things in the PR. Yeah, well, I won't. Um, there are a couple of consumer guys. I don't know. They still do. So I won't name them. But they they sort of used to let it be known, shall we say, that there was a waiting list for, for, their, for them to pitch. Uh, and I don't know whether there really was or not, but it seemed to be a, a very good way of uh, approaching that particular problem. I think that's a good PR angle, whether it's true. Or, uh, look, it's, I, th- I think agencies are, have evolved and no one wants to take on a, you know, an absolute nightmare of a brief. No. So, that you know, I do see that it's, I'm not saying everyone is completely wet, but, you know, I, I've learned sitting in the middle to challenge the clients and clients listen they're not doing it from a no. place of taking advantage it's more no, well, in, in the, end, though, the client pushes too hard the the agency can't afford to do good work on it couldn't they so, you know, there's no in that sense there's no there's no free lunches out there certainly not in no that. but they want value they don't like timesheet mentalities they want to know that if they do have a little bit extra or need something quickly there's a flexibility there so yeah you know it takes a bit of work on both sides to make sure everyone's happy with it um, so moving on to M and A, um, two big deals this month. Yeah, two really big deals. So um, the first is Brandtech Group, um, which previously was known as You and Mister Jones. They set up in 2015, raised 300 million. Um, they now own people like Oliver Gravity Road. Mobcoy, they've also sort of previously invested in Pinterest and Niantic, which is the metaverse company. So they're a, they're a holding group for marketing for technology agents. Yeah, yeah, right. Martech. Yeah. Um, they have just acquired um, Jellyfish, which is a whopper of a deal. And it makes Brandtech now the biggest digital only marketing group in the world. So they're over a billion in revenues, 7,000 employees. And the stat I liked, which I would love if I was an agency holder to have, they work for eight out of the 10 world's largest advertisers and 49 of the top 100. So, I mean, that's some dominance, but they are brilliant at what they do, Brandtech. In whatever bit of Brandtech you go into, they get it. And so they... Um, they acquired Jellyfish from private equity. So previously, Jellyfish were owned by Fimilac, um, and that's who they've acquired them. So it's an example of a private equity firm making an acquisition and then building it and selling it on some years later. Um, obviously, a very good success. Right. Story. And and a, a different sort of deal, but another private equity deal. You've got- yes, yeah, different, same, same, but different. So MSQ, um, who again are largely in the Martech space, 
but they do own Smarts, um, the PR agency. So that, um, we define them as a, another holding group, in essence. Yes. Yeah, they are. They're another holding group. Um, they have, well, one equity partners, which is the investment firm that came out of JP Morgan, has become their new majority owner. Um, again, the similarities are previously LDC, which is the private investment arm of Lloyd's, with a with the major partners, they've sold their stake to one equity, um, but they've retained a minority. So they're still involved. So it values MSQ at about £170 million. Um, in terms of the maths, the, the, the interesting bit, four years ago when LDC invested, they were valued at £37.5 million. They're now valued at £170 million. So that is, you know, Decent. And had they spent loads of money on acquisitions during that time? Was that being made organic? No, it would have been. It's through a buy and build strategy. And yeah, it's not like they've necessarily come out with I don't know 130 million pure profit. They've they've bought some stuff uh, along the way, and no doubt added value as well. Yeah, but this is the model that private equity is. You know, that's how it works. They buy something, they bolt stuff on. The value of one plus one equals three. They flog it to someone else, and it yeah. you know might not be the end of the journey for MSQ because I'm sure you know obviously one equity- in that sense the game starts again, doesn't it? And yeah, that- one equity is you know they they're a big big firm. They obviously see more growth and can take it to the next level. And you know I don't know the details, but potentially LDC you know, didn't have the the investment to keep growing at that rate so they were happy to get out maybe it's because well they all like they like they like to turn these things over don't they that's, that's yeah, if you can the... get a quick return then yeah. great i mean it's very similar to waterland who bought marketers recently what they did with debt they bought them i think it was 60 or 70 million they sold them for 600 or 700 million within three four years you know that's the dream. So they did that with who? Um, just to just confirm, folks. That's not that's not marketeers that they. No, not that marketeers. That's, not that was another um, one of their of their Dept, firms. Dept. Yeah. Um, which um, is, yeah, and and that's it. And just to bring it back to PR, the um, the one equity partners MSQ deal that, that Smarts are owned by that uh, they're they're owned by MSQ in essence. Yes. Yeah. So Smarts are about twelve million ish. In terms of revenue, so you know they're a relatively small part, under ten percent. Yeah, um, but they're still sizable. Smarts yeah. are doing very but, well. But interesting that, that a PR firm, um, you know, good PR and significant PR firm is is playing is is part of that type of group that is obviously doing well um, and particularly doing well from a private equity perspective, which I guess bodes well for the the overall PR market. Yeah, it does. Um, and I think, you know, what private equity are essentially looking for value. They don't want to necessarily buy something undervalued or bargain basement. But what they don't want to do is pay inflated multiples for certain sectors that really where the demand far outstrips the supply. Because if they're buying... For example, AI, AI. If you've got an AI startup now, yeah. it's a bonkers valuation, isn't it? Yeah, but it might be okay because it's small. But if they're right. buying something of scale, what they can't afford to do is pay a very high multiple because they can't get the return or it will take them so long to get a return that it doesn't make it attractive. PR 
it's it's achieving decent valuations, but they're realistic. So they know that they can buy something for argument's sake at a six, seven times multiple and achieve double that within four or five years if they bolt stuff around it and so they in essence they take the they take the client um base of a PR firm and, and add some Martech to it or something like that. Complementary services. And they recognize, you know, that intelligent PEs understand the importance of earned media and an earned first strategy and how you can bolt on performance marketing and social and content. It all sort of works around each other. Some of these private equity let the different companies operate separately. Others operate a bit more like a traditional holding company and create more synergies. It depends. Sure. Yeah. And just before we, we we finish on the the private equity, because in previous months um, we've talked about the um, preeminence of trade deals currently, um, but we've got to have done two private equity deals there, which is quite interesting. And and but you were saying that when we were talking earlier about long-term debt being really important of that and, and and so they can predict it a bit more and that's that's the key to that side of things yeah well you know look some every private equity is is very very nuanced and there's hundreds of thousands of people not hundreds of thousands thousands of private equity companies some of them fund out of their own funds others have to finance their debt there was a wobble sort of end of last year but really when there was a lot of uncertainty in terms of what was going to happen with interest rates and that made them a little bit nervous. They now have a clearer view. I wouldn't say there's economic certainty, but they kind of know where it's going and therefore they can plan. I think the worst thing, not just private equity trade as well, is when you just have uncertainty. And, you know, I think everything took a little bit of a wobble towards the end of last year because we just weren't sure what was happening with Russia, inflation, cost of living, all of those sort of macroeconomic factors made the market a bit nervous. Didn't kill it. It just delayed things slightly in no difference to what we're seeing in new business. Just you know, any sort of uncertainty just means things take a little bit longer and are that bit more painful. And, you know, I've, I've listened to several agency leaders talk about just having to hustle a bit harder. And I think that is just the general market at the moment. But it's the opportunities are there um, and they're not going anywhere. Andrew Block, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure as always. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.